Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the purpose of your existence as we pick up in Revelation chapter 4, verse 9. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Thus, I should not seek to please myself, because then I'm not answering the purpose of my existence. I should seek to please God. Then I am answering the purpose of my existence. But the interesting thing is, is when I live to please God, I find great pleasure myself. Therein is happiness. Therein is satisfaction. Therein is fulfillment when I live to please God. If any man seeks to save his life, he's going to lose it. But if you'll lose your life for my sake, Jesus said, you'll, you'll find it. And to really find what living is all about, you've got to just live for his pleasure. Thus you're answering the purpose of your existence, and thus your life is fulfilling and rich. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne a scroll that had writing both within and on the backside, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open this scroll and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And so I began to sob convulsively, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. What is this book that has such a strong reaction upon John when no one is found worthy to open it? This book is nothing other than the title deed to the earth. Under Jewish law, whenever you sold property, in the deed there was always a redemptive clause. You always had the right to buy the property back within a specified period of time, providing you could fulfill the terms and the requirements that were written in the deed. So whenever there was the sale of property, there was always two deeds that were drawn up. One deed was sealed, and it was put away in a safe deposit. The other remained open and was kept by the person who sold the property. And in the time of redemption, you would bring the, both deeds, the one that was open and the one that was sealed, and by the open deed, you would prove that you were the one that had the right to redeem it. And in the redeeming of it, you would break the seals of the closed deed. And you would fulfill the requirements therein, and thus the property would revert to you. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, we find Jeremiah is in the prison. He has predicted that Jerusalem is going to fall to the Babylonians. He has encouraged the people not to resist in order to spare their own lives because resistance will be suicide. The Babylonians are going to conquer them and so capitulate. Well, he was arrested for treason. And he was thrown into the dungeon because of his encouraging of the people 
to not to try to resist the Babylonian invasion, but to surrender because Babylon was going to conquer them. He also prophesied that after 70 years of Babylonian captivity, they were going to come back and they were going to occupy the land again. They were going to be carried off to Babylon, but after 70 years you'll come back and occupy the land. Now, here you are. The Babylonian army is outside of the city. It has now put the siege around the city. They're about ready to conquer the city. And here is... Jeremiah sitting in the prison because he has encouraged the people not to resist because they are going to fall. But he has also prophesied, we're going to have this land again. So his, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, look, your uncle's property is coming up for redemption. Go ahead and redeem it. Now, there was this clause in these contracts that if you personally could not redeem your property again, then one of your relatives could step in and redeem it for you so that the property remained in the family. And so the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, you know, Hannah Neal's field is coming up for redemption. Go ahead and redeem it. His uncle was unable to do it himself. So... In order to show his faith to the people in the promise of God that they were going to come back and have this land again, Jeremiah went ahead and redeemed the field. The next day as he was there in the dungeon, his cousin came in and said, Hey, my dad wants you to redeem the field. The right of redemption is yours. He can't do it. He wants you to redeem it. Jeremiah said that I knew it was the word of the Lord that came to me saying, Redeem the field of Anna and Meal. And so he said, I took the instruments and I sealed the one and I, he gave them to his scribe and he said, now bury these in a jar so that when we finally come back into the land, you know, keep the two documents, the one that is sealed and the other and bury them both together in the jar and when we come back into the land, we'll claim this field which is ours. So you can read that in the 32nd chapter, the two deeds that were written up, the one that was sealed and the other that was was open. So here we find in the scroll of the right hand of him who is sitting upon the throne a scroll that is sealed with seven seals. It's a title deed. It's the title deed to the earth. Originally the earth belonged to God by creation. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And all they that dwell therein. When God created man God gave to man the earth. He said to Adam, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over every moving and living, creeping thing, for I have given it unto thee. It is yours. So God gave the earth to man. But Adam turned the earth over to Satan. When he disobeyed God and obeyed the suggestion of Satan, he forfeited the earth over to Satan, and it became Satan's. We sing, this is my father's world. Yes, in a technical sense, but in a very practical sense at the present time, it's Satan's world. Paul said he is the God of this world. He has blinded the eyes of the people. Jesus, twice or three times, called him the prince of this world. You remember 
when Jesus came, what was the purpose of his coming? It was to redeem the world back to God. And what was the first thing Satan did? Took him out into the wilderness and tempted him. The first was, of course, turn the stone into bread, but the second he took him up into a high mountain and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said, look, I will give all of these to you and the glory of them if you will bow down and worship me, for they are mine and I can give them to whomever I will. Ooh, what a boast Satan is making. Hey, the whole world is mine. I have the capacity to give it to whomever I will. And Jesus did not dispute that claim. Knowledged, it's right. The world is in Satan's control. The world is in rebellion against God. Satan indeed is the God of this world. And when you receive Jesus Christ, you become an alien to the world. Jesus said, if you were of the world, then the world would love you because the world loves its own. But you are not of the world. This world is under Satan's power and control. That is why it is so obviously wrong to blame God for all of the problems that exist in the world today. And yet man wants to blame God for all of the suffering that is going on in the world. If God is a God of love, why are people starving in Ethiopia? Why over in Cambodia are they going through such horrors? If God is a God of love, why are children suffering here and there and the other place? And why this and why that if God is a God of love? Because the world belongs to Satan in rebellion against God and man has joined in Satan's rebellion. And I am certain that if we could have a vote and we place on the ballot who do we want to rule over the world, God or Satan, Satan would win by a landslide. Now you may challenge that statement. But just put Satan in the guise of the flesh in which he comes living after the flesh or living after righteousness. And people, you don't have to go to the ballot. People express their vote by the lifestyles that they live. And I dare say that those that are living after the flesh far outnumber those that are living after the Spirit. So the person cast his vote by his lifestyle, and obviously Satan has won by a landslide. Living a righteous life, living after the Spirit, is not the popular life. It isn't the life that is applauded by the world nor even admired by the world. And so Jesus came to redeem the world back to God, pay the price of redemption. And what was the price of redemption? His blood shed upon the cross. And whenever you read of redemption in the New Testament, it's always related to the blood of Jesus Christ. That was the price that he paid to redeem the world. When Adam died, he died for his own sin because God declared, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. He said to Adam, in the day that you eat thereof, you're going to die. When he died, he died for his own sin. And so with every other man since Adam, with the exception of one, there was only one man who died 
for the sins of others, not for his own. Jesus was without sin. Peter said we are redeemed not with corruptible things like silver and gold from our empty manner of living, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ who was slain as a lamb without spot or blemish. So in the innocent one dying, his death then was the price paid for the redemption of the world. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man going through a field and discovering a treasure. And who for the joy thereof immediately goes out and sells everything that he has in order that he might buy that field so he can obtain the treasure. And in the parables, the field represents the world. Jesus said, now the field is the world. Who gave then everything to purchase the world? Jesus Christ. And for what purpose did he purchase the world? That he might take the treasure out of it. And what is the treasure? His church, the body of Christ. You who have come to believe and trust in him. And he redeemed the whole world that he might take you out of it. So, as we come now to the heavenly scene, we're coming to now that time of redemption. That there was always the appointed time when the property was to be redeemed. And of course, there was another specification within the law if you or your family members were unable to redeem the property at the time of redemption, then you lost the rights of the property forever. It remains now perpetually in the new family ownership that has taken control. You've lost your rights forever. You had the one chance to redeem it, and that was it. In most cases... The redemption period that was set was that of seven years, which corresponded also to the time of redemption for a man who was sold into slavery. You could not remain there for more than seven years. Interesting to me that just about six millennia ago, man was sold into slavery to sin, and the world was sold over to Satan and he took control and has had control for almost 6,000 years. For Adam forfeited the earth just about 4,000 years B.C. I personally believe that this year of redemption is coming up very soon. I believe that God has established that 6,000 years, the six-in-one pattern, and that it will be fulfilled in the big overall view when Satan will have had his reign for the 6,000 years and the earth is now coming up for redemption and here is the heavenly scene and we observe it here with John. An awesome scene. There on the throne, God sits with all of his glory as the cherubim worship him and as the 24 elders respond to the worship, declaring the worthiness of God to receive it, and now the scroll 
in his right hand. And the angel proclaiming with this strong, loud voice, who is worthy to open this scroll and to loose the seals? And then the notation, no man was found worthy. What does that mean? No man has the capacity to redeem the world. Now, every four years, we have men stand up and tell you that they can save the world. And if you'll just vote for them, they've got a program and a plan of redemption. And man has been trying to redeem mankind, but no man is found worthy. No man can redeem himself, much less the world. And so no man was found worthy. And this, of course, then brings on John's weeping. Why? Because if nobody redeems it, it stays Satan's domain forever. That thought is more than John can bear. It wipes him out. He begins to sob convulsively with a horrible contemplation that the world will forever be under Satan's control and power and the misery will reign on and on through that. I wept much. Literally, I sobbed convulsively because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. Don't weep, John. It's not all loss. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. And I beheld, and lo, in the middle of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, there stood a lamb as it had been slain, or literally slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book or the scroll out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Interesting to me that the elder declares to John, Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. When John sees him, he sees him as a lamb that had been slaughtered which would indicate that John perhaps sees him still bearing the marks of the cross and his suffering for us. It could be that your first view of Jesus in heaven will be a very shocking experience. For in our minds we have envisioned in looking upon the face of Jesus of seeing someone who is just perfect in beauty, Glory, standing in awe of that beauty. But in the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 52 and in 53, he said, as many as looked upon him were astonished. They were shocked. For his face was so marred, you could not recognize him as a human being. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. In other words, it was so shocking, we couldn't bear to look. But then he went on to say, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. These wounds that he bears 
are the wounds that he suffered for you when he paid the price of your redemption, when he took the judgment for your sins, when he died in your place. And it could very well be that our first view in heaven prior to this redemptive completion of the redemptive act, that our first view of Jesus will be a very shocking experience as we see him with the marks of the sufferings that he bore for us in order to redeem us. I turned and I saw him as a lamb that had been slaughtered there in the midst of the throne among the living creatures, the cherubim, and in the midst of the 24 elders. There stood the lamb. And when he had taken the book, the four cherubim, living creatures, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Revelation 4 through 5 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, give you a beautiful week. And may his words sustain you as you walk with him in fellowship. May God make you effective in your witness for him. May your life be like a light shining in a dark place that others might be drawn to that light and find the source of the light, even Jesus. So God bless you and give you a rich week in fellowship with Him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Through the course of the years, you, our radio listeners, have provided us with valuable feedback as to what has impacted you the most or what has moved you spiritually in your walk with God. So it's with great pleasure that The Word for Today is pleased to offer you a collection of all-time favorites entitled Pastor Chuck Smith's Most Requested Bible Studies. These messages were selected from thousands of studies that were recorded live at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa over the past 40 years. They represent the very best Bible studies by Pastor Chuck Smith. Every message is dynamic. 
and filled with rich insights as Pastor Chuck expounds upon relevant issues on a variety of topics related to the Christian faith. This series will strengthen and inspire you to diligently study the Word of God and apply it to your life. You can order a copy of Pastor Chuck's most requested Bible studies available on MP3 by calling the Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.